Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am your other host, Chris Collinsworth. Oh, Corwin Heller, my bad. Common misconception. Yeah. Um, yeah, Collinsworth, that fucking pedestrian. Uh, and uh, at the desk this week <laughs> for the first time ever. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that was strictly visual that joke. So for the two of you that watch this on YouTube, you'll get it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we we missed Thursday's episode. Life got in the way. Shit happens. Um, and we are rejoined by uh, hometown hero Corwin Heller as he makes his triumphant return to the show. Uh, again, we do this shit when we can, folks. So, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about sports topics. We got um, some stuff that's been going on recently, some stuff that happened today. Um, Corwin, I would like to open, however, um, with a couple of COVID topics since we are once again in, a, in an ever-changing world and there's been developments in that the first being uh, you weren't here for but i talked last monday about my experience going to yankee stadium um that last saturday and how you don't have to wear a mask anymore when you're in your seat and you can basically you'll basically have to wear your mask walking in and out of the stadium um how do you feel about the idea and that, that just ties into the idea that like the Jets just announced that they're going to be 100% capacity in September when they open. Um, how are you feeling about all this? Because it is it is a big change. It's one of those things where I am happy to see we're getting to that point, and I can't wait for it to be absolutely ruined by drunk asshole fans taking advantage of it. Because we see it every week, some drunk asshole, and, and MLB Stadium sitting in the fans doing something aggressive and and being a dick and whatever you want to you know pinpoint as something that they do because it's it's all the time but they're gonna they're gonna do something crazy and it's gonna cause them to either you know pause or or rethink this whole shebang and uh i'm so excited to be able to get back into stadiums and, and do it in a safe way that i really don't want them to fuck this up I I am actually conf- growing very confident that it is potentially unfuck upable with how things have been going, which is what makes it so interesting. So like, it's a very small scale, but my gym that I go to is now mask optional, and that's wild mm-hmm. to me because uh, like when I, like the, I was I was just telling my grandparents about this the. The first day I walked in and it was mask optional, I missed the sign. Like I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't see it. And so I'm, I'm doing my workout and I see people not just not wearing, no, no, not just wearing the mask below their chin or whatever. Cause you see that every now and then people like taking sips of water, like catching their breath and then they'll put it back up and it's whatever, but like fully, like not even on their face, not on the person, not wearing a mask. And I was like furious. I was like these fucking jackasses. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the sign on my way out and I was like, Oh shit. Oh shit! Are we are we here now? And now I don't know how to feel about it. like it, it. The return to normalcy has been emotionally conflicting. And I I agree with you that it's going to be really hard for them to kind of backpedal on this and and fuck this up. I just for my own 
certainty and for my own, you know, confidence in being able to go to these games and go to be able to do this. Just be, don't be an asshole to anyone listening. Don't be an asshole. Just don't fuck with people. Keep your distance. If they don't, you know, if people aren't approaching you, just please. But yeah, I, I walked into a restaurant yesterday picking up food and it was like mask optional. And I didn't realize it. And like just people were in there not wearing masks, walking around. It was just like, where the hell am I? Like, what's going on? It, it's, it's part of the fate, the, the stages of progress that you knew would be coming eventually because, you know, you take a long-term perspective on it. You think about a year or two years from now, you know, I'm sure most of us don't picture masks. You know, we picture in an ideal scenario, getting back to normal, resuming life, but it's like making that transition is, is, is really off-putting. Um, I'm, I'm excited to like go to Jets games this year and see a new quarterback play for, for the team and, and, you know, wear those shitty jerseys. I have a jersey. I actually like it. Um, it's, it's, it's slowly grown a little bit on me, but not as much as the old ones. Um, but it's, I, I don't know if it's the, the, the curmudgeon in me that just likes being mad at my fellow man. Explain that <laughs> um, word. Um, like a grumpy person. Thank you. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird path to progress, but I am enjoying the benefits of it. Get vaccinated, folks. Please. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, how was the game, though? I didn't listen to the episode, so. Great game. Great game. Good. Walk off Good. win. Walk off walk nice. from Aaron Judge. What uh, everyone wants what you, to see. That's the best way to end the game. Walk off walk. You know? I know I just said this last week, but Corwin wasn't here and I forgot to mention it to you. Um, my section was shouting so much shit at Chicago White Sox outfielder Jake Lamb um, that they continuously got him to turn around in disbelief. <laughs> um, it got to such a point that the whole section was piling in on him that some like eight-year-old kid thought it was hilarious and his parents let him run up to the lip of the outfield and just start yelling at Jake Lamb. And when he turned around and saw it was like a child just berating him, he just died laughing in the field. <laughs> they the, the bleacher creatures had coordinated chants about about Jake Lamb and his mother. It was phenomenal. That Say what you will about Yankees fans, but my goodness, they know how to fucking get under people's skins. And Jake Lamb, to his credit, was all about it. He was having a blast. <laughs> I feel there like was you one gotta guy, take that approach, you know. Oh, you have to. Uh, a, a few people were just shouting his batting average at him, which had me rolling because it was like 182, <laughs> and it didn't like register at first. And then like he like I, I forget he grounded out in his first at bat, and so he came up when he came back into the field, and they were like 176, Jake, because <laughs> it went down. <laughs> oh, it was funny. It was really fun. It's a good time. I'm just picturing like you and Kel just like nicely sitting in the in the, your seats, and then just these fucking guys, like these children, are just like sharpening their pitchforks, just like going after this guy. I love it. It was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, now let's talk about some stuff that's been ongoing. This one's let's start with uh, something that, that that happened a little bit ago. Um, in terms of how quickly one should, I guess, discuss topics on a. Uh, podcast, but Javi Baez had a trip on the base paths recently that got a lot of attention 
in part originally because it's Javi Baez and it's like kind of one of the things he does is have fun trips around the base paths and make some some chaos. It's kind of vintage Javi. Um, mm-hmm. But, at, you know, uh, 30 minutes after the fact, everyone was like, this is the worst defense I've ever seen in a baseball game. And it was perpetuated by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, now, for anyone who hasn't seen the play, two outs, man on sec- second, I believe. Um, actually, I have to yes. I have to play up. Yeah, man on second. Um, and Contreras was on second, yep. Wilson Contreras is on second. Javi Baez hits a ground ball. Pitcher flips it to the first baseman. And the first baseman was in front of first base towards home. And so he figures he'll tag Javi out as Javi's running to first. A common thing you see baseball players do. Mm-hmm. Why take the extra steps? He ha- the, the batter can't go back to home. You know, you can't just stand on the home and pretend like you're safe. You have to run it out to first. So usually the batter just accepts it. The uh, saves the first baseman a handful of steps. Part of the casual nature of anticipated results in, in baseball. And Javi instead decides to start running back towards home. Now, now, there's a force out. <laughs> this is not Please. like catching someone in a pickle. For this people who are not professional, or even for these professional baseball players, can you explain what a force out would be? And what all, that would imply? All the first baseman needs to do is put his foot on first base, which he is three steps from. Three. So, Just putting his foot on first base. And then Javi Baez is out. To further add, if at any point during this force out, they tag him out, if he gets out at all, the run would not count and the inning is over. Yes. Now, the way the way run scoring works is if the out at first is made, nothing happens. If Javi somehow the got past, first. right, even if the runner chugged his way around two bases in the time it took Javi to get to one, as long as that out is made at first, nothing matters. Now, if mm-hmm. Javi was to magically get past first base, and now we're talking about an out being made at second, different story. That's not what happened. <laughs> so all first baseman Will Craig, who nobody knew existed before this game, needs to do is put his foot on first base. Instead, he walks Javi Baez all the way back to home plate. Wilson Contreras is running around the base paths up until he's a yard from home base, home plate. Will Craig then flips it to the catcher too fucking late. Wilson Contreras scores. Catcher tries to throw it back to first to the second baseman who's covering it. Misses that, Javi's safe. The ball goes skirting into into foul territory, which allows Javi to get to second base. Which, it didn't matter because Javi didn't continue going, but the throw to second base was also not caught by the by the man covering second, which is just embarrassing. Um, oh, man. And then they proceed to score Javi Baez, like the next batter. That's true. Yeah, and um, those two runs, I believe, were the deciding runs of the game. <laughs> I believe the Cubs won by those two runs. Now, there's an intersection here that I I think is worth mentioning, which is the difference between fun because people did something right and fun making fun because someone did something incomprehensibly stupid. And I think this play falls into the latter And while it's good 
fodder for like jokes and like media attention for a day, that's not long-term sustainable. And unfortunately that's like been the pirates for the last like seven years. Right. If this was any other team or like any team other than like, like if the Orioles did this, I could see that being like a, a big laughing matter. But like the fact that it was the pirates has really extrapolated how much people care about this and how fucking hilarious it is because my goodness, only a team like the pirates would have so many defensive players be incapable of either knowing or communicating that rule. Like Adam Frazier, who was the second baseman was jogging off the field because there's no way they could have fucked this up. It's just tagging them or tagging up on first. Like, he was heading off the field and then ugh, all the rest of this happened. And it's just a catastrophe of comedy of errors, if you will. But I mean, Javi Baez says he didn't even know the rule. Like the Craig, the first baseman for the pirates just was like, I didn't know the rule completely, you know, like just completely skipped my minds. And it's just, I'm really happy. I'm not a pirates fan anymore. I've surrendered. Because it's like, how how can you bring someone into the world of baseball and be like, look at this thing that happened and have to explain how, yeah, I, like, so you've got a brand new fan. You got uh, like your kid who's just getting old enough to like learn the rules or you're dating somebody who's never really watched the sport and you're trying to bring them into them, bring them into the game. You would then have to sit there and explain to this person how the players didn't understand the fundamental concepts of the game at a very rudimentary level that allowed this to happen. Right. And while that's a little bit um, grumpy of a way to do it, it's a little bit of a killjoy way to do it. It is also difficult to get someone to understand the game and no one's going to like a game they don't understand if everybody's just wrong. Right. And if the people who are paid the craziest amounts of money, just these exorbitant amounts of money compared to what a normal people would make, if they are playing this at the highest level, making that kind of money, playing it at such a high level that whatever, I'm going to surrender trying to make that argument because I don't know where I was headed. If they don't even understand these rules, how can you expect new fans to? And how can how can it be so unclear how the game is played? And again, I can appreciate the funness that is Javi Baez doing this because for his sake, this is this is amazing. Um, right. And seeing Anthony Rizzo die laughing in the bullpen oh, or so in the, the dugout was, oh my God, warmed my heart, loved it. Um, at the same time, and part of this comes from the fact in my mind that the pirates are a Mickey mouse organization and have no one in that no, no, team. No, 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 no. Mickey mouse makes money. Mickey mouse is profitable. Mickey mouse puts out good content. The pirates do none of those things. Uh, they are a club penguin. <laughs> club penguins popular club, club penguin got discontinued. 
because no one, none of the people were using it. Okay, Club Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. pirates are Club Penguin. Yeah. Um. Because you know, like if you had players that you know were like good, and you had to pay to be a part of your team, they probably wouldn't have made this mistake. Obviously, you can't say it for certain because I wouldn't have guessed this would have ever happened. Um, but you'd have to imagine that like a good, not even like a world renowned first baseman, like Paul Goldschmidt, you know, like you, you put Luke Voigt, who's, who's a whatever defensive guy and a slugger, put him at first base. I don't think he makes that play. I'm right, sorry. I do think he makes like the right play. I don't think he makes that ridiculous error. He um, makes the play. He doesn't make that play. Right. Right. But the problem with Luke Voigt is like, he's actually good, which risks the chance of you having to pay him eventually. Did you know who Will Craig was before this play occurred? I thought he was the pitcher. Yeah. When people said Will Craig did that play wrong, I assumed they were talking about the pitcher, which yeah. does, which doesn't make any sense at all. But I would have figured that I knew who the first baseman for the Pirates was, so I just assumed Will Craig was a relief pitcher. I didn't know. And uh, no, he's he's a batter I've never heard of before. I want to look up his baseball stats uh, real quick. Okay. The, okay. This is his second year. This was the 17th game he's played in in his career. Wow. Uh, he played in two games last year, uh, had four at-bats, did not get a single hit, had a negative 100 OPS plus. Oh, no. That's just really great. Did not <laughs> – Zero, zero, zero slash line. Granted, it's four at bats, but that's still hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, negative 0.4 career war. So that is just so incredibly ugly. Oh, God. Negative 0.4 war in 17 games. I feel like that's a lot. That is, that's, that is a lot. Oh, man. How, how far does that extrapolate out? If he played like 120 games. Um, All right. So 0.4 divided by one by 17 yeah, times 17. 120, we'll say. Yeah. That's negative 2.8 war. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's the top. Bottom of the first one out. Astros are a four nothing motherfucker. All right, I'm gonna mute that game so I don't get distracted by that. Yeah, that hurt. So yeah, well, Craig, that's hilarious. Javi Baez, you fucked up and still it worked. So congratulations. Um, I guess that kind of. Do you have anything about this play you want to talk about uh, still? I I guess not. Um, again, it's it's one of. The, if I was MLB, I'm not sure how quick I would be to make a make make this a, a fun thing you share because it's a it's not like giving up a home run, which is in part inevitable and um, in part sheer skill on the part of the batter. You know, we've all seen pitches that have no business being home runs get hit for home runs because the batter just found it. Um, this is not that. This is this is a series of completely wacky and bad decision making that showed a complete lack of understanding of the game and that particular situation by one of the two teams. So I'm again, I get it. If if you're a sports discussion thing, 
us like Fox Sports Go or whatever, um, mm-hmm. go for it. Who cares? That's not you. If I was MLB, I'd probably keep this one kind of quiet. Yeah, like it's not something you sweep up under the rug because I don't think it's that important to like kind of like downplay. But you are not sharing this. You're not you're not posting about it. You're not having your network talk about it. I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. So then I guess let's talk about, I guess, since we're here about the Cubs a little bit more broadly, because they're in kind of a wacky position. Um, they have been cutting payroll recently. The past few seasons, you know, they traded away you Darvish. Um, and, you, and a, yeah, seriously. Um, and a cost cost saving maneuver. Uh, however, due to a combination of the players, they still have on that team being good or at least good enough. Um, and their division as a whole being less than stellar. Uh, thank you, Pirates. And I guess the Reds, they haven't been doing so hot this season. The Cubs are in a decent-ish position. They're half a game back from the from the division lead. Um, St. Louis is 30 and 22 as it stands right now, recording this May 30th, 2.30 in the afternoon on the East Coast. Um, Cubs are 29 and 22, so only half a game back. Um, and that wouldn't be good enough for a wild card spot, but it'd be actually pretty close. They only have, wow. They have only two fewer wins than the Dodgers. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Granted the Dodgers are um, knocking on death's door every day, but still, um, wow. Uh, I actually didn't realize that until this moment. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so that's all well and good. So you might say to yourself, well, Chicago should be in the market come trade deadline because they're doing relatively well and could use a little bit of extra ammunition. The problem with that, as um, Corwin was saying before we started recording, they have nine players who are in the final year of their contract. Those players are, I'll start with the least important to the most important, Ryan Tapera, relief pitcher. Okay. Daniel Winkler, relief pitcher. All right. Eric Sogard, one of your starting third basemen. Yeah, you can replace that guy. Matt Duffy, one of your other starting third basemen. Oh, okay. Okay. Getting a little bit harder. Austin Romine, starting catcher. Zach Davies, one of your starting pitchers. Javi Baez, your starting shortstop. Chris Bryant, your main starting third baseman. And Anthony Rizzo, your starting first baseman. So the corner outfielders, your big star corner outfielders, both done after this season. They're starting shortstop, done after who's this the, season. Who's the other corner outfielder? Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Oh, infielder. Yeah. Um, and then your starting catcher and a fifth of your well, rotation. Well, I, I guess you're, yeah, your backup catcher. Um, Wilson Contreras still exists. It's uh, well, the three faces of your franchise. Now Rizzo and probably isn't, isn't no Kimbrel isn't Kimbrel done after? Isn't he done soon? I believe he has one more year. Let me check the 2023 free agents. Yeah, Craig Kimbrel is done after 2020 2023. Um, oh God, this list is so bad. So next season is the final season for Jake Marisnik, your starting center fielder. Um, starting pitchers Trevor Williams. And Jake Arrieta. So there's the, you know, two more fifths of your starting rotation. The rest rotation. of your rotation, yep. Um, Anthony Chafin, who's another reliever. Uh, Wilson Contreras, your starting catcher. 
Jack Peterson, your starting left fielder, and Craig Kimball, your closer. So team con- the, the the team control for your team is the, like the whole team is is uh, one to two years, which is just mind blowing. Basically, once those like if all those guys are gone, which they don't all have to be, but it it's going to be incredibly difficult to resign really any of them, any of them, especially with the the strategy you're going with. It's going to be Kyle Hendricks and just himself. It's going to be Will Smith in an empty room and the Fresh Prince just looking around like, where'd everybody go? Because that's your team. You know, you're going to have Nico Horner and Kyle Hendricks and whatever free agency pieces you can piece together because you can't afford Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Kimbrell. You can't afford all these guys all together. And it's, it's tough when you look at this team being, you know, half a game back in their division and they still have to sell the fucking franchise because you can't afford to keep all these guys together. Maybe you can sign Rizzo. Oh, no, I they think can, can afford it. They're choosing not they're to. They're choosing not yeah. to. Yeah. Right. And unless they're in a position to like seriously, not just like go to the playoffs, but contend for a world series, you have to sell these guys off. And I, I think they keep Rizzo because I think, I think they're going to kind of twiddle with their thumbs, fiddle with their thumbs and just like not go all in on this rebuild. But my goodness, I like this team's going to have to get torn down. I don't know how you could keep, I don't know how you could rationalize playing out this season with these guys finishing out your team after the trade deadline. They're in such a weird spot. So listen to this though. So as it stands in 2021, looking at team payroll. Okay. The, um, the Cubs, our hometown Chicago Cubs, I say hometown for every team, are <laughs> um, 12th. I'm not going to give the numbers because it doesn't matter that much for right now. But they're, they're 12th in the MLB, top half, upper 50%. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all well and good. After the expiring player contracts for this season, let's look at their 2022 payroll. They drop a couple spots, 14th in MLB, and committed payroll for next season. All right. So they're, they're, they're not spending, they haven't, they don't have a lot of players retained for next season, but the ones that they do are valuable enough that that number isn't so severely impacted by their departure. And if we look at the 2023 payroll, Cubs drop down to 19th and only have 13 players committed through 2023. Yeah. And that part is the part to me that really stands out. Because that is the second fewest players committed out of an MLB organization for 2023. I know that's far away. The fewest is the Nationals, who have nine and are four places higher in committed spending than the Cubs. So they have, yeah, they only have um, two-thirds or three-quarters of the players that the Cubs have committed through 2023. And those nine players are uh, five million dollars more expensive than the Cubs. Well, so Victor Robles, I want to say Trey Turner, 2023. So Juan Soto is going to be there. Yeah, Juan Soto is going to be there. I think Max Scherzer would still be under contract. I, I believe this is his last year, actually. Really? I believe I he, this is I Max Scherzer's last season. I thought Scherzer was signed for a while. Well, he's got those deferrals. 
Mm, let's see, contract, seven-year salary signed. He is under contract until 2021. Mm-hmm. You are correct, sir. Um, wow, Nationals. What are you guys going to do? But anyway, to, to bring this back to the Cubs, the, the fact that they only have 13 players, which I don't know – in a, in a vacuum, there's 13 a lot. There's not a lot. It's the second fewest. Like every other team, bar one, has more players committed that far forward. And that's again, that's that part's not a cost thing. It's an efficiency thing. Like the Cubs have all these players that are under contract, and they don't have players signed to long-term deals, and they don't have rookies that have controllable years underneath them. At least en masse to the point where you can have starters going forward on your 26 man roster, the way that other organizations do, which is the part of this that I think is tough for the Cubs. Obviously Corwin and I know this and it's, it, mm-hmm. we, it, I don't want to keep issuing little like asterisks like I gave with Corwin's the Cubs can, because they are a multi-billion dollar organization, fucking sign everybody that they wanted to and just not have this be a problem. That's not realistic because ownership in MLB is bad. Um, so it's just not going to happen. So we're going to talk about it in that way. But we understand, Corn and I, that they can if they wanted to. Um, and and that's what's going to lead them to selling all these players. At least it's what they should do if they're not going to pay them. Because, fuck, what else do you do? You can't they, – they won't extend everybody. They won't do it. And honestly – with some of these players, they shouldn't. Jake Arrieta is getting old and has not been himself. So the same goes for Craig Kimbrell to a lot of degrees. I know last season was a really down year for him, but he still hasn't been the guy that he was in Boston with them. Um, and the fact of the matter is you should have rookies that are good. You should have young players that are good. Especially Aaron Judge on the Yankees. For these picks and trading for prospects. Right. Right. Like, like Aaron judge on the Yankees is still under his rookie contract. And while that's bad for Aaron judge, that's good for the Yankees organization. And I understand, again, there's a labor dynamic here. Um, But as an organization, that's what you need. The Cubs don't have those guys anymore. Those guys are leaving and they don't have any of them signed. It's Mm -hmm. wild. Yeah. I mean, looking at the players they have, signed under or have control over through 2023 Jason Hayward who's getting 24.5 million dollars at 33 that's a wild number Kyle Hendricks who's getting 14 which I think is a very very reasonable number uh, for him Uh, David Body Ian Happ Nico Horner Dylan Maples Alec Mills like outside of those top four guys it's that's really it like there's really nothing there that is significant no none of those guys are going to be a face of the franchise player you know Kyle Hendricks is a good pitcher he's not going to be the face of a franchise he's not going to be your ace he's just not that kind of player I don't know this is this is just I mean he has a 4.63 ERA this year it's not good. Uh, nope, 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 nope. No, it's not. So let's uh, – it, it, it'll be interesting to see where these Cubs players go. They are very likely to leave, um, again, because the Cubs have shown that they are willing to part with – You Darvish's contract wasn't even bad. 
not even a little bit. It's a good, it's such a good contract. Um, we talked about it when he got moved, how I was upset the Yankees weren't in on that because it's such, and how every team in baseball wasn't in on that because it's such a good contract. Not every team um, in baseball. Fuck you. Um, but if, if they're going to do that to one of the game's best pitchers today, they're going to do that to everybody. And again, I, I guess they kind of should. Um, and I will actually segue this into something that we didn't have planned to talk about today, which what is the eyes? What's the eyes? <laughs> I'm looking at the, uh, the Padres control, uh, what players they have under control in 2023. And it's a complete team. Like they could field this team and win just as many games this year as they are, you know, or that year as they are this year. Machado, Will Myers, Yu Darvish, Blake Sm- Snell, Eric Hosmer, Drew Pomeranz, Fernando Tatis, Hassan Kim, uh, Victor Carantini, Jake Cronor, Trent Grisham, Tim Hill, Denilson Lamette, Jorge Mateo, Adrian Morion, Austin Nola, Chris Paddock. Like it, it's their whole team is still going to be under control in 2023. It's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Anyway, um, I'm going to segue this into a conversation about the Braves because the Braves are also in a weird spot. Um, player personnel wise. And if you're wondering if we're going to talk about Marcelo Zuna, we will in a moment, but I'm going to save that for a second. Um, the Braves players who are up final year of their contract this season. You ready? Pablo Sandoval, whatever. He's been pinch hitting for them. Not a big deal. Role player, that's it. Shane Green, relief pitcher. Who's, I mean, their their bullpen's bad, so that actually does kind of matter a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not uh, the Shane Green of old. No, he's not. Ahire Adrianza, backup shortstop. Who cares? Uh, Drew Smiley, starting pitcher, which again, it might not seem like the biggest deal because it's only Drew Smiley, but the Braves pitching has been a churn and burn for the past two seasons and losing a guy who, while he's not like a set the world on fire starting pitcher, but a starting pitcher actually might be really bad for the Braves. Um, Which brings us to the next guy, Charlie Morton. That hurts. Uh, Travis Darno, their starting catcher. That hurts. Mm -hmm. And they're starting first baseman, Freddie Freeman. Because, and I wasn't aware of this until um, uh, like this past week, because I just assumed he, they signed him to a long-term deal at some point, And I just, I don't know, forgot what it was. No, they never did. Um, that he's technically done after this season. I mean, like, obviously he is 31. There was a long-term deal in there. I assumed there was an extension on top of that. No. No, he is done after this season. It's kind of crazy that they would be willing to sign. Well, granted, all these contracts, long-term contracts they signed for, you know, Cunha and and Albies were so disgustingly team-friendly that they would have made those at any point. But, I mean, Freddie Freeman is your team. Like, that's the heart and soul of your team. I know Cunha is the big, young superstar now, but that's what Freddie Freeman's been for as long as I've known baseball, you know, it's, it's crazy that they wouldn't have extended him, especially when they are at this point of, you know, contention and they are trying to put together a team for the future. You can't really do that without Freddie Freeman. Like, yes, you could 
let him walk and not pay him that contract and you're still going to be a good team. The Braves aren't going to be a World Series contender without Freddie Freeman on that team, both, you know, his bat, his defense and just his leadership in the clubhouse, just the kind of guy he is like. If you ask me name a player on the Braves, it's Freeman before I name Acuna. Like, that's just the way it is. And God, that's weird. That's just really weird. Yeah, it's and with how team friendly the Acuna and the Albies contracts are, there's no excuse not to resign Freddie Freeman. Exactly. Um, honestly, that could be said for a lot of the Braves' moves since they don't run out good, let's say, pitchers to start. Um, they just kind of like refuse to do it. They refuse to sign um, starting pitchers that could actually benefit their organization. They refuse to sign relief pitchers that could actually do them any good. Um, it is confusing. It's very confusing. But um, I think that especially goes with the guy who's the a face of the franchise guy, the way Freddie Freeman is. Um, and if, if we look at um, the, the fucking lineup, Jesus Christ, uh, without Freddie Freeman, uh, it is starting catcher, I guess still William Contreras, since they have him under control because Darno would be gone. I don't even know who plays first base anymore. Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, outfielder, pick one, I guess, <laughs> Guillermo Heredia, and then Ronald Acuna Jr. And I, I how you'd order that out, I, I – I don't know. All right, here's the actual lineup as it stands. Hold on. No, that's not it. I had a lineup in front of me, and I lost it. And eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. But the point being, after after Acuna and Albies, and depending on which version of Ozzy Albies you get, um, that's not a very scary team. No, that's a team that is contending for that division, but is not the front runner for the NL the way they are this year, or at least amongst the top three teams in the NL the way they are this year. That's, that's a tough sell to move on from him. That's a really tough sell. So they're the lineup yesterday. Let's look at their, their yesterday lineup. Uh, Acuna leading off, then Freeman, Albies, Riley, Swanson, Adrianza, Contreras, uh, Heredia, and then their pitcher. Uh, man, Freeman hitting in the two hole. You take that away. Does that mean Ozzy Albies hits in the two hole? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that's that's something you want for a team. Like as a manager, as a as a GM, that's that's not the way you want to make your team better. Like you're trying to make your team better every year. Like there are guys you cut loose because of um, you know their salary and payroll. You could do more with that money without it, or or you can't do certain things that you have to do because of contract size. That is not making your team better. No. And they, they have the room to re-sign Freddie Freeman contract-wise as well, because I'm looking at their 2023 free agents. And the only guys of note, uh, all the players are uh, Kevin Smith, Grant Dayton, Guillermo Heredia, who's a starting outfielder for them, Josh Tomlin, Luke Jackson, Dansby Swanson, who's the starting shortstop, and Ender Enciarte, who's the starting outfielder. Um, and if Christian Pasher, Pache, I always forget how to pronounce his name. If he, I think it's Pache. I, I, th- I think it is too. Um, if, if he can, you know, get his bearings underneath him, you can ignore one of those outfielders to resign. Um, 
Jansby Swanson probably can be got for not much. And in fact, there's actually a lot of out, uh, shortstop depth out in the market right now. It wouldn't be the worst thing to, re- to, to have could, to fill up on. Um, I could absolutely believe that Dansby, Spon- Dansby Swanson, excuse me, would take an extremely team-friendly deal to stay in Atlanta. I would agree, which again says to me, hey, we have a, nothing but money to use to sign Freddie Freeman. Um, I guess we'll see what they do, but it is uh, so far with the way analytics have been used in player acquisition and, and that be that free agent and trade. It has seemingly largely affected relief pitching. I'd mm-hmm. say more than anything else. Because now it's not so much about the name, you know, Craig Kimbrell or whatever. Um, it's about what can you do? Wandy Peralta. The Yankees orchestrated a whole trade to get Wandy fucking Peralta, a guy I'd never actually really heard of before until he got traded to the Yankees for, you know, one of their depth outfield pieces that actually nowadays would be kind of, hmm. oh, eh, honestly, Mike Talkman hasn't been so hot in San Francisco. It doesn't really matter. They made a great um, play yesterday. I, I saw. Yeah. But, uh, point being, I'd say that's where we've seen it the most. And with a lot of the player personnel decisions that have been made recently, it's tough to tell if organizations are just being cheap, which is always fair. Um, or if there's a new level, if there's a course correction coming in production and it's pay because and this is so cynical. It's very easy to underpay for overproduction. Every single guy on a minor league contract is Hmm. producing more than they're getting paid for. It's very easy to do. And so if you're looking to maximize your dollars per war, you can actually do that a lot more readily than you can by paying the appropriate amount for war. Because if you take a flyer on a guy for like a million bucks a season mm-hmm. and that guy produces more than one war, you hit the odds of a guy producing. If you give him a $15 million contract per season, which still isn't outrageous. It's just a lower odds depending on who that player is. Mm-hmm. It it's a, but, it's a sad science here, but that's also how you get teams like Cleveland who are performing. Well, they're always, you know, relatively at the top of their division, but, you know, outside of that really short window when they did have those superstars, they're not contending. They're, you know, exceeding payroll expectations, absolutely. And they're exceeding what you would expect them to be performing war-wise, but they're not contending teams because you do need to pay those kind of contracts to known superstars. Unless you're the luckiest guy in the goddamn world and have, you know, this unbelievable success rate with scouting, you can't just put all of your money into cheap prospects that you think are going to work out and overperform their salaries because they're not all going to. And there's a limited number of players you can have on your roster. And you can't just force that to work. Like you can't get superstars out of nowhere. You can't just create them. Otherwise this sport would be nothing. Like there, there would be no competition if you could just pick out of the litter, which guys you're going to pay a million dollars and have them perform at a superstar level. I mean, this, this is the Baltimore Orioles right now. So I have been very excited and um, vocal about wanting to see the Orioles get back to it. 
Um, and I have been a believer in their process thus far. However, they've hit a doldrum. They, they're, they're not progressing anymore. The, that team is now showing that outside of John Means' starts, they're not going to do a lot. And in part, that's due to the fact that they bottomed out fair enough with how organizations are run, fair enough. There started a bunch of young guys to see what they could get out of. None. Cord and I didn't think John Means was going to become this. I don't think anybody really thought John Means was going to become this when he first made his debut in, for Baltimore three seasons ago or so. And even when he was an all-star, it was like, okay, John Means is an all-star because the Orioles they had to, to send somebody. Yeah, yeah like yeah. nobody actually expects John Means to be good. He had like a 4-3 ERA or some shit when they sent yeah, him. It was, like it, it was wasn't so a, bad. Yeah. Um, but whatever. You go through that process because you need to figure out if I give starting innings and if I give starting player at bats to guys who will grow into the role, they have done that. If you want to get better beyond that point, you now need to start acquiring players that are good. And uh, they signed like Freddie Galvis. I like Freddie Galvis. Mm-hmm. Freddie Galvis should be a utility infielder for you after you go out and get a, a top end starting shortstop so that you can move Freddie Galvis around because he is a consistent enough bat that not a guy that you need to give 650 plate appearances to in a season. You know, you've got Cedric Mullins in the outfield. That's amazing. That's exactly who you need. Why don't you go out and get, actually their outfield has been pretty good. Austin Hazen has been good. Ryan Mountcastle has been fine. Um, But regardless, like your first baseman, your third baseman, your second baseman, these are guys that you need to now start going and making a point of your starting, all your starting pitching. (laughs) Outside of John Means, why do you have Matt Harvey? There was no reason for you to get Matt Harvey. Fifth starter? Harvey's a big name. Sure thing. That sadly is what it is. Um, but if he was like their fifth starter, that's fine. I think he's got – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double-check myself. I think he has the second most innings on the team, which oh. that shouldn't happen. That no. should not happen. No. Excuse me. Matt Harvey has the second most innings on the team. <laughs> It's like, and, and, and that's what corn and I are saying here is you can't just let minor leaguers play and expect you to like, go like, Oh man, they're all, I now have a a lineup full of Manny Machado's. They all worked out. This is great. It's not going to happen at some point. The Orioles are going to have to go out and make actual free agent acquisitions that are not Matt Harvey's and Freddie Gallus's who are good dudes who could be like depth pieces for you, but like actual starting free agents, actual good guys you know they're gonna have to put in a bid on trevor story or some shit like that to be relevant oh same thing God. goes with detroit i Look could not detroit. i could not imagine trevor story agreeing to sign with like leaving the rockies after all these years and going to a team like the orioles oh my god they'd have to shell out so much money and then at which that they point, should but then that's the thing like if you are building this culture of we're not going to invest in our, in our team to bring in stars. Oh, now we do want to do that. You have to severely overpay to bring stars to a bad team. It's, I just don't think it's a healthy way to run the organization. Sure. Short term, you're building that capital to, um, you know, get draft picks, get prospects. Okay. That's, that's fine. You can do that. Baseball is a hard sport to do that in. But my goodness, it's going to be hard to bring in free agents when you need to because of that. Unless these prospects are all very clearly 
looking with like a, a very high trajectory, I should say, it's going to be hard to bring in those free agents. True. But we'll see what they end up doing since, uh, man, they got to do something. But all right, let, let, let's loop this back to the Braves because uh, Marcel Ozuna is now being investigated for a domestic assault after uh, he got arrested. Um, I forget the date. And, uh, was that the, yesterday? I, I, I was going to say, it was either yesterday or Friday. I didn't want to get the day wrong. Um, uh, for assaulting his wife. And it's now being investigated by the league for a potential uh, suspension. The first offense for a domestic assault is 81 games. It's half a season. Um, this would be his first offense. So it would be, he'd be, he would still play baseball in 2021. We'll put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. He would not miss the remainder of the season. He would be back in time for the playoffs, which is a gross way of putting it. Um, and Corbin and I have talked about this on the show before because it's a shit position all around because on the one hand, and I don't mean to make this sound like a both sides issue because what Marcelo Zuna did was very wrong, but Corin and I as people also believe in prisoner reform and being rematriculated into society. And the question for at least me is how long does that, when, when do you start that clock? When do you allow that player back at the same time? Baseball is a privilege and beating people up, especially people in your life, especially the women in your life is an unimaginable thing to have to, 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 uh, to, to do and to see real consequences by taking away again, the privilege that it is to play baseball feels like a very fitting punishment for a lifetime ban. I don't know. I can understand why, you know, as broken as the U.S. judicial system is, I can understand the need for, you know, not necessarily mandatory minimums, but why you can't break down each individual case and have it be, you know, unilateral to that specific case. Why it can't be that, you know, each circumstance gets its own carefully thought out punishment and uh, care to really fit both the crime and the person and, and how mature they're approaching, you know, their own reform and, and wanting to make those changes. You can't do that because of just the vastness of how many people commit these crimes as awful as it is. And MLB has that kind of, uh, what's the term for it? They, they have that leeway where, they are their own independent organization. They do have both the funds, the time, and the means to break this down, work with these guys directly, very closely, and and kind of curate these punishments around the player, around the actual crime committed, and about you know how willing they are to make amends and and to reform themselves. And so I don't want to sit here and say, okay, he needs all 81 games. He needs to be gone for a full season. He needs to be kicked out of the league because we don't know the extent to which this occurred. You know, I know his wife was arrested uh, a couple of years ago for domestic violence in the same regard. I just, we don't know the facts of the case yet. We don't know this. And I don't want to jump to these conclusions and say, oh, we need to, you know, kick him out for the rest of the season. He shouldn't be allowed to come back for the playoffs. He 
or he shouldn't you know, be suspended yet because he hasn't been found guilty. I don't want to jump to any of those conclusions. I just want to say MLB needs to take a step forward and fucking take the responsibility to say, hey, we have these guys who do have this privilege to play professional baseball. And he is playing professional baseball at a high level and has been the one of the, you know, not necessarily the faces of baseball, but the faces of the teams he's played for throughout his entire career. We need to work with each one of these players to to really make a difference in their lives and their families' lives and the rest of MLB leading by example. And I'm really just not looking forward to him getting, you know, an 81 game suspension and people just forgetting about him for the rest of the season until the playoffs. And he comes back and it's like, Oh, thank God. Marcelo Zuna's back. You know, the Braves finally have the talent to compete. Like they're, they're been struggling the past few months without his bat in the lineup. Okay. He's like, I don't want this to get brushed under the rug because team success first player success first, rather than, Hey, someone was attacked. Someone was harmed. Someone was victimized. And it's not just him and his wife. Like they have, I believe, two kids living in a house where now both parents have been arrested for domestic violence. There's something bigger than baseball here. And it is what's most important to be addressed, not just, okay, sitting here worrying about how many baseball games he's going to get suspended. And and it's those types of bigger than the game conversations and issues that MLB has been so bad at addressing, not just throughout their history, but especially within the past few years, as these types of issues has garnered, have garnered more attention, rightfully so. And baseball's put themselves in a very bad position to handle these things with how bad they've been at it in the past. And, because they've the only avenue that they've ever really done anything about is number of game suspensions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been it. And like you said, it's it's not a real world application for what is a real world problem. And obviously I'm I haven't checked, I'm sure the MLB donates to some organization and they call that good enough. After they scribble some you mean numbers. You mean their tax write-off? <laughs> yeah. Don't you love how charity just gets lumped into that? Because it's true. Um, and again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like Corn and I know anything about this case. We don't. Um, this comes up relatively frequently. Uh, as Corbin was talking, I could not help but think of the Roberto Osuna incident that just happened a couple seasons ago because that what he described is basically exactly how the Houston Astros treated their acquisition of Roberto Osuna, mm-hmm. um, which was awful for everybody who watches the sport of baseball. Um, and it with the Roldness Chapman too. And Domingo Herman. Uh, yep. It's, it's, it's shit. Obviously from a fan perspective, it's tough. Cause you have to then watch these guys and they're, we've talked about this before too. Like how do you root for Domingo for the Yankees on a Domingo Herman start? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's awful. Um, and, and how like, do you – sorry, go ahead. Every time Aroldis Chapman comes up for a save, you as a lifelong diehard Yankees fan who was a fan long before Aroldis Chapman came into you know the Yankees world, you want to see the Yankees win. You want to see them succeed. You want to see them come in and convert a save. And at the same time, every time he does so, it's like, all right, that's one more step farther away from 
people being able to to treat him as someone who committed those those acts. Right. So I don't think there's a graceful solution here. I think MLB should be a lot should be very clear in whatever it is that they do. And I think that really is the ultimate avenue towards success with, with anything, but with this type of stuff in particular, because if, if I'm the commissioner of MLB, I am suspending Marcelo Zuna pending investigation and then handling it after that. If charters get pressed, he's probably out of MLB, mm-hmm. at least until some, something happens with that case. And even then it would be difficult, but whatever happens, I MLB needs to communicate the steps, the appropriate, uh, their their thought process for for what they think is appropriate to do in in each instance as it goes forward, and seek guidance from outside institutions about how to handle their employees this this labor issue. Because just saying eighty one games and he's done, it's it's not it's not it. It's not it's the same thing as as you know seeing a guy get. Um, arrested for illegal possession of a firearm and saying three years in prison will fix that. No problem. Mm-hmm. Will it? Is that, is that it? Like, is that all we're going to do here? Is that going right. to solve the issue with this person and with the, the awareness around these issues, the circumstances, everything is that is three years in prison going to be, it's the same thing. 81 games. Like, is he going to learn from that? Like what, mm-hmm. what, there needs it's, to be more. I don't want to equate the two because of how significantly different they are in both, you know, victimizing someone. Right. But you have some states where people are sent to prison for their entire life for selling marijuana. You know, California was a three strike minimum. You get caught selling weed on the corner for, you know, 20 bucks three times. You're going to prison for life. You can beat someone, you can beat your own wife in front of your kids in, in Georgia and, you know, outside of the state law, outside of, you know, the state court system and you're suspended 81 games, you're still going to make millions of dollars this year. It's not the same way to reform somebody, you know, the guy selling weed because that's his way of making money and a guy beating his wife because he's pissed off and can't handle his emotions and thinks he's untouchable throwing them in prison for the rest of their lives isn't going to fix anything. It's not going to solve these problems when there's quote unquote justice that's needed to be served for certain heinous crimes. Yes. Jail time can be acceptable. Life in prison can be acceptable because there is no reforming certain people. There's no reforming, or I shouldn't say there is no reforming certain people. I don't want to, you know, put that blanket over, you know, that blanket assessment, but there's certain things that are deserving of that. And at this point, like 80 games to beat a woman, to have it just be swept under the rug because of who he is as a person, because of the money he makes the people, you know, in Atlanta, in Georgia, in MLB, what progress are we making? And it's also, I can appreciate the, the difficult nature of this because asking so much of MLB I think is fair, but it's also very different from another employer. Another employer would just fire you and just move on, which would make all the sense in the world. It is different, at least 
in my mind, looking at sports leagues, MLB, NFL, whatever, because of the public eye and the hold over public opinion, outreach, all those types of things that they have, I think they owe it to the communities that they are a part of, to the, the platform that they have to actually make more substantial of a difference in a grand scale and at the level that is, you know, individual players within their organization because they have the ability to, and it matters when they do it. If like Cisco or fucking like Fender just fired some, no one would know. No one knows who fucking Mm -hmm. works at, at fucking Samsung in the U S like no one knows that guy. People know who Marcelo Zuna is. People know who Araldus Chapman is. People know who Domingo Herman is. And to make those types of differences, when you, again, you have the platform and ability to do so, I think matters enough that they should be doing it. They're not just like Marcelo Zuna isn't just an employee of the Atlanta Braves. Araldus Chapman isn't just an employee of the New York Yankees. He's a product for the New York Yankees. He is not just a, you know, revenue generator because of labor. He's a revenue generator because of the product he delivers for its consumers. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're never going to be treated like you or I would at both of our companies. You know, if we do something bad that would, you know, affect the, the company or, or do something bad just in general that's unethical, we'll be fired because that's unacceptable and you can't have that. They do something like that. It's not oh, we need to fire them because of how heinous this crime was. It's like, oh, how is that going to affect our bottom line? How is that going to affect our revenue for this year and our ability to compete to generate more revenue? Okay, he's too valuable to us as a team to fire, to to release. So, hey, we're going to help him get better, sweep this under the rug and and have him keep getting at-bats for the Atlanta Braves. Right. So as it stands right now, um, Marcelo Zuna just hasn't played recently. That's really all I've heard. I haven't heard any suspensions coming down the pipeline yet. Um, Hard to play when you've been arrested. Yep, yep. Easy to to not make the lineup. But I mean, we're going to keep an eye on it and 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 keep tabs on it and try to keep. It. Obviously, Corn and I might lack a lot of the experience to have what might be a more in-depth conversation. And, um, you know, obviously we're coming at it from a perspective, from an outside perspective, but at the same time, we think that these are issues that are important and we're just going to try our best. Um, and, uh, if you have any comments about it, let us know. We are certainly please, receptive. Please. Yeah. Um, we're, we are, we're, we are trying our hardest. Um, so thanks for putting up with it. Uh, I would like to end on a light note, if you don't mind, Corwin. Sure. And that is the Nike City Connect jerseys for the MLB. Mm. As we have, uh, our third one has been released. I did not know they were happening until we got the Boston one, and I didn't realize it was going to be a season-long thing, but we've gotten one for Boston early in the season. We got one for Miami a few weeks ago, and we got one for uh, Chicago uh, just this past week. Uh First, I would yeah. like to hear your opinion on the jerseys we have seen so far. So I didn't, I thought it was just going to be a one-off Boston specific alternate Jersey when, you know, theirs was released earlier in the season. 
Um, I missed completely the Miami jersey. That was the end of May, May 21st. And then the White Sox one on May 28th, just this past weekend, was the first time I realized that, oh, this is a series that they're doing. I love the Chicago White Sox ones. Uh, not the hat so much, not the cap, but the jersey itself, I think, is gorgeous and just fits that team so well. I really like the Miami one for you know the same reason. It fits Miami. It fits that team. It's just a really well-designed jersey. I love the red and white pinstripes. I fucking hate the Boston one. Like, I don't mind yellow as a primary color, even that color yellow. Like, I love the uh, the yellow Pirates alternates that they wear, I think, on Fridays or Sundays. Um, but I don't like it combined with that baby blue. I just don't think baby blue and, like, mustard yellow is a good combination. And I think they are the ugliest jerseys in, in MLB. Uh, I think they're fucking awful. <laughs> But the others I do love. I'm excited to see the the ones that are to come. Yeah, I I know that the the Boston jerseys are the colors are the colors of the Boston Marathon because of the impact that the Boston Marathon bombing had. I know that the the Miami jerseys the color is an ode to a lot of the red that you see on flags from Latin American countries. So it's meant to be um, representative of the Latin contribution to baseball and specifically baseball in Miami. Um, the I have conflicting feelings on the Chicago ones. Hmm. On the one hand, think they're fun jerseys i really like these jerseys i think they are my favorite of the city connect jerseys like looking at it on the other hand i think you have to admit it is the laziest of the jerseys compared to how wacky the other two are because the other two took colors that are not a part of the team's colors in order to tell a story about what is behind those cities and Chicago's didn't. And I'm not saying that that's like the end of the world fault. Cause again, I think they're really nice jerseys, but I would have been interested to see what they could have done if they got a little bit weirder with it. You know what I mean? I do. Um, I know the next release is the Chicago Cubs, which I have to imagine would be a, north side jersey and i have to guess that it's going to be a white one um so i think it's more of a a twofer like it's a, a two-part yeah my, um, my guess is agree. it's going to be uh white and there's going to be like powder blue because of the chicago flag yeah uh, i'm right there with you if, Red, white, if it's blue. one of those things where it fits in really well together and, and those two complement each other very well i'd be all for it i, I could understand why um, but at the same time, I do like that the first two tells those stories and, and are a little more symbolic in a way. I know you love your symbolism. Go listen to Juicing the Big Screen. Um, but at the same time, a jersey, a well-designed, good-looking jersey is still a well-designed, good-looking jersey. And I do really just like the design of the Chicago White Sox, you know, South Side. You know, it has that black with white pinstripes and it has that uh like speckled color yeah almost like a heather 
uh, design to it, which I, I really do enjoy. Yeah. And again, it's just me. Like I would absolutely buy one of them if I had more funds. Um, but yeah, cause it, it's like, if, if the first two didn't have like this gr- kind of grand storytelling behind it, I don't know how you would care, you know, cause like you said, it's a Jersey, it's meant for people to buy and then, then wear and feel good about wearing it because they like the way it looks like that's what consumerism is all about. Um, the American way. Just truly. Yeah. We, we are here to give money to the people who take our money um, and then, and then kick us away. Um, but and again, this isn't me like, like I'm not like going to get up on a soapbox about it at in front of the MLB store <laughs> and tell people to, to, to spend their money elsewhere. It is just, it is, it is odd especially with how far away like the Boston one is, 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 is especially um, to not mm-hmm. get the same wackiness. I do. I also wish though, that this wasn't the first alternate thing that Nike was doing. I wish Nike did something a little bit less serious first. Cause the city connect, like there's like a, there's a powerful story here. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the Boston Jersey is telling the story of the Boston marathon bombing. That is a hell of a, of a jump out of the gate. You know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. is not a quiet start to this. So like, like, fuck, like we are like in it. I, so I wish they'd started off with something a little bit more lighthearted and then maybe started the, the city connect jerseys next year. Um, very, very, very fair point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because again, it's just like Corwin and I have been asking for more alt jerseys for a while now, and I'm glad we're getting them, but this is a hell of a way to get them. Mm-hmm. So I'll take them. E- but- even if they started with the white Sox, like, Oh, it's, it's so boring. It's just like the white Sox, And then kind of led us into the Boston bombing one. I mean, I get like the timing of it is kind of, you kind of needed to have it be around that time, but still like, damn, it, yeah, it, it is like right out of the gate. Like, fuck. Okay. I mean, like, man, it, like if they get to the Yankees and they're going to get to the Yankees and it's something like 9-11 related, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. Like, like just I only two solid, like thick pinstripes. Just like, oh, boy, that's that's not great. Let's just turn every tragedy into like a shirt. <laughs> Not, nothing Can't. nothing screams late stage capitalism like turning your worst day into something you can commemorate and buy online. You know, I could totally see like the Oklahoma City Thunder just having like a, a Tulsa, you know, remembrance jersey next season now. Like, yeah, let's just let's get real deep in the fields here. Let's. It, it, it's, it's just a, it's just a weird place to start, you know, um, not that there is an important stuff to be said about all of the things that they're choosing it's just a hell of a place to start but i'm i'm excited to see what they do um they have been better received than the mlb um marketplace hats did you see those hats i think so and i think i've kind of struck them from my memory with all the goofy random they had like on one side it was like the area codes um and then the other side just had like and it was just a bunch of like symbols of the town um, 
and they didn't put any area codes for like Pittsburgh and next to it was just like a steel girder. So oh, it was yeah. a PI. Um, the Yankees ones and the Mets ones were like the same. And um, man, bad. It's like when you see somebody who gets like a sleeve of tattoos on their arm, but it's not anything connected. It's just kind of like individual tattoos scattered just at random or down somebody's arm. It's like so nothing here is connected. So one of my friends... <laughs> um, and I, I won't say which one because I, I don't want there to be too much attention to it. But one of my friends, his sister's fiance, so soon to be brother-in-law, has this. What he decided to do um, was he wanted to get a sleeve tattoo, but he didn't want it to be a basic bitch sleeve. No, 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 too hip for that. So he just slowly over time got completely random Native American tattoos, white man, Native American tattoos all over his arm that are absolutely not connected in a storytelling way and literally on his arm, not connected. And it looks like fucking chaos. It looks awful. <laughs> and um, yeah, so these that, that was actually a very apt comparison because you're right. That is exactly what this feels like. That shitty tattoo. And so I pulled up the Pittsburgh Pirates one while you were telling that. And I don't know if you could see that. That's just a steel beam. That's just an eye yeah. beam on the head. Yeah. That's. Toronto just says Toronto on, on every side in different fonts. Toronto's has, has a second red maple leaf next to the main red maple leaf that is the part of their 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 um symbol it was nonsense it's fucking I nonsense find, i need to find a list of all these oh man has streetwear gone too far <laughs> no because it hasn't gone anywhere with these <laughs> yeah yeah they got pulled they deserve to get pulled um, yeah i can't even find a link to all of them together they, they 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 no longer exist. Can you imagine? Oh, the fucking one? the Tampa Bay Rays one had like the area code like eight one three on it for the team, even though the area where Tropicana Field is is area code seven one seven. Oh man, it's like it's like someone was watching Eight Mile and who was like, "Hey, everybody in the three one three, let's put that shit on a hat along with all the other surrounding area codes, like the um, hip hoppers do." Oh, it's so they're all so, so bad. like there's not a single one here that's like oh that's that's at least a cool design like no they're all so also fucking i bad. i demand i demand someone makes a piece of of new york property you know on a hat that is original that doesn't have the statue of liberty or a fucking apple on it fucking try fucking try harder two things those are two things we get it we fucking get it be better. Be more creative. That is surface level shit. <laughs> like, I can't. This is Even so other bad. surface level <laughs> shit would be more interesting <laughs> than that. Oh, no. Oh, the Cincinnati Reds one has a bowl of chili on it. Yes, it does. Imagine your entire city being reduced to Skyline Chili. Oh my fucking god! Yeah, it's awful, and it's like it's like the Yankees play in the Bronx. You couldn't put some like, hey, we are like the birthplace of modern hip hop. Like, <laughs> put fucking put fucking Funkmaster Flex on that shit, man. 
Do something. Be more original. The Yankees and Mets hats is the same. We get it. There is pizza in New York. Go fuck yourself. I hate all of these so much. The Cincinnati red ones just like have a paragraph on the side of the hat. Just there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. That will be a home run. So that will be they'll make it a 4-0 ball game. You can't just put that on a hat randomly. Come on. I would buy that on the hat. Monogram on the hat. I would absolutely buy that. Yeah. Oh, I would absolutely buy that on a hat. All right. Anyway, anyway, we could keep doing this all day. These are hats are very easy to make fun of. Um, Corwin, do you have anything else before we wrap it up for today? No. All right. Well, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And, uh, if you want to send us any emails, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.